0: Okay, welcome to the Digital Dude podcast. I'm David. I'm Reed. Yeah, if you don't recognize my voice, <laughs> I'm still the David.
1: <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't have Harry Feinstein, is it? Yeah. It's, we were just laughing right before he hopped on, but uh, he's got. He, He seems to have had that voice for his whole life which i was telling david that's not possible at 11 years old so i don't know when somebody crosses over to sound like the way you do right now but um
0: who's that other guy ed what's his name ed um oh my god i wish i would pull him up he like you see him in a ton of things now he's a character actor and he's got this crazy oh yeah god dang it it's gonna bother me (laughs) he's kind of got the look of uh well it doesn't even matter i'm getting over a sinus infection and it's hit my throat now (laughs) I'm not contagious, uh, and my brain works about 60%. So yep. <laughs> it's going to be a banger of a of a podcast.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. I wasn't sure if you were going to go through with it or not. So I'm glad you have the uh, whatever, the, the self-confidence.
0: Yeah, Nicole was like, absolutely, you're canceling the podcast today. I was like, no, we've had like four people cancel on us this year. We've done two in like six weeks. The show must go on.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're a gamer.
0: I yeah. love it. Well, uh, this, we're finally trying to get back on track, cover our 2022 predictions we did, and then uh, get out our 23 predictions. So, let's hit it. So, first things first, um, Reed, you predicted that you would bring a digital lunchbox in 2022 into the office. Mm-hmm.
1: That prediction did not bear out. <laughs> I actually can't find that sucker. You know, I was so excited. That was like two or three years ago that I bought it. Yeah. So I could have guaranteed the prediction came true, but now uh, it's buried somewhere. Yeah. I thought it was next to my home office, but uh, yeah.
0: So oh for 1 so far. 0
1: oh, for 1. Yep. Yeah.
0: Maybe in yep. 23, we'll see this lunch, this I haven't even seen a photo of it.
1: Yeah. It, it does exist. I yeah. assure you. It's not a figment of my imagination. <laughs>
0: All right. Then I predicted that AI will continue to be more of a marketing trick than true AI. Um, you said a few things on that too, Reed, but I'm going to say that in prop tech, at least that's, I would say that's still true.
1: Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah. But this is what I was also saying before we hopped on. Some of our predictions are difficult to prove.
0: Yeah. Well, I disprove. guess what I would point to is what has, where would you think real AI is being used? And I'd say the closest that are, that are, listeners might be would be like sort of a meet a lease type, but I don't even think that's true AI at this point. That's like natural language processing and some response, but it's very it's still very tightly controlled. Mm-hmm. So it's not really like chat GPT or something. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean if we hone in on uh, real AI, you know, we would need to define that, which I think on our uh, YouTube channel you can find From our first summit dr beaver uh, professor beaver sorry from du and he really spells it out like kind of the different grades of ai and because you could generally say hey nlp or nlg is a form of ai it's just not not what you know is everybody's been talking about you know where um i guess the machine is is you know has its own um Kind of personality and algorithms that it's building on itself, that kind of stuff. So uh, I would agree with you. Meaning, if we're going to define it that way, that yeah, it's still more rhetoric than um, reality. Yeah.
0: By the way, if you can't get through this episode because my voice, I understand. Check the show notes; you get the whole thing. <laughs> um, then you agreed and you said that, but you do think content will be scaling up because uh, I also tagged on saying that, uh, that any ground that gets made up in the industry with AI will be NLG which I would say did come true for tech at large, but not for multifamily. So Mm -hmm. obviously we've been doing a lot of our stuff with NLG for years, but chat GPT and um, the like have really taken over, at least in Q4, took over a lot of the tech industry, but it hasn't really been applied yet to multifamily. And I would say for good reason, and I wouldn't take it off the shelf if I was anybody right now. It's too too dangerous, too Too much. Too
1: unreliable, yeah.
0: But it definitely is hitting hard right now.
1: Yeah. It is, and that's common for multifamily, for a few different reasons. We often we talk to either tech founders or, or people that are well acquainted with it in the industry. They they you know say the same thing over and over. Is it's five ten years later that multifamily adopts it, um, and so that's what I would expect too. But that may contradict one of my predictions, (laughs) but I'll save that. Let's go ahead and get through 2022.
0: You did say though, that for content, you think content is going to continue to become more important, which I do think is, I've heard some murmurs about that. I haven't seen it a ton in practice, but definitely it's more on the brain in 22. You said for AI, for content to become good is going to require more integrations, which I think is totally true. And that's a lot of the commentary we've been seeing from big tech at large. Like what, does open AI really have as a competitive advantage on top of Google for chat GPT? Nothing really. It just scraped to the internet like Google did. So Google's competitor could basically do the same thing given enough time. Right. So then it's going to become what people are saying. It's the data sets that you, that you feed into it that aren't public. So could you get exclusive license to use Quora, for example, to like train your AI? So same thing here for apartments, but anything that's public, everything's going to be as good at, but if you, I don't know if you're real page or Entrada or whatever, if you have access to that data and then build NLG on top of that, then it's just like revenue management, right? Revenue management's better based on the data you feed into it.
1: 100%. Yep.
0: So your uh, prediction um, was self guided tours with 10x and 22. I put a question mark.
1: And we're going to have to leave that question mark. <laughs> So uh, if a listener is out there and has the answer to this, then please let us know. Otherwise, you know, we'll, we'll have to come back to that one. So shame on us for not doing the the homework or I guess, having the the baseline that we could compare to, but I don't think I, I I believe I would be right. You know, part of it is just because we're still in, in early stages. It's only been a few years. Um, Therefore 10 X may not be as bold as I had presented to be.
0: Yeah. We can call Jennifer or, um, shoot towards Georgiana, Georgiana yeah. yeah, and, and, yeah they and probably we should have done that. But yep. um, anyways, for this one, I, you may not, even if people don't think it's true, it could be true. Cause to your point, like a lot of people were purchasing these in 21, didn't maybe get them rolled out until 22. So just from a scale standpoint, maybe, maybe each property didn't see a 10 X growth, but from a mass, there is a 10 X growth.
1: I could yeah, see. totally. And that's one of the things Jennifer mentioned to us is there was less uh, I think time for her to, or pinwheel to get on board. In. And I want to say it's because they're using existing fob like technology so that you didn't have to get all new hardware. Cause yeah. that was one of the things that would slow it up to your point about, well, it started in 21. Maybe they're rolling it out now. Now it's getting to a point with some of the new technology, uh, shout out, you know, to, to Jennifer and pinwheel that they can move a lot quicker. So all the more reason to believe that 10 X probably did happen, but we'll validate that.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely more than 21. I would think, even though we are out of the pandemic and you could tour,
1: one thing I will say, though, uh, and this is a few degrees separated from me and you, but I haven't heard anywhere near as much about self-guided tours from our client services department since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So obviously, there was all sorts of things that people, you know, were surfacing as ways to to try and uh, keep keep the boat uh, moving. But um, yeah, in the last like I don't know year, um, it hasn't come up anywhere near as much. And to me, I saw it as a, as a great differentiator, something I definitely want to be marketing if I were a property. Um, I don't know if you feel any differently, but it just doesn't seem to have the same buzz that we, we heard a few years ago.
0: Yeah. I think just conjecture I'm with you. I haven't heard as much about it. Part of me thinks that's because some people it's standard now. And so it's not like a unique thing. It's like, we just do this now. The other part to me back to your marketing is that's always been a hole because it doesn't back to your integrations, but it's like, Previously, like your better Bot or Perk or whatever wasn't seamlessly integrated with your tour thing. So it was like a separate, almost like you started to bifurcate your funnel if they were going self-guided tour. And it's going to just take time for those companies to all coalesce into like one funnel Mm -hmm. where it's like, all right, well, it plugs into the perk or better bot widget seamlessly. Mm -hmm. And maybe it does now, but that was not it before where, and so there was no, it's harder to advertise because you almost had a separate marketing campaign for tours Mm -hmm. versus standard stuff, which is not a great experience.
1: Totally. But I wouldn't say it, and not that smart technology has become table stakes, but it, in a way I think, you know, it's getting there if it, if it isn't already meaning with those a assets or it's like, of course, you're going to have Nest or, of course, you're going to have some sort of, you know, whether it's Google or Amazon, like functionality built into the home. Um, it doesn't seem like we're quite there yet with uh, self-guided tours, but where, you know, developers are like, that's a no-brainer. That has to be there. So I agree that maybe it's lost its luster isn't quite the talk that it was a couple of years ago, both because of the pandemic and because it's become more accepted. But um, I don't think it's, it's caught up you know, to, I'll just say the general kind of smart technology movement that we're seeing in the industry.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Cause a lot of the single family homes are definitely like maybe more into self-guided than multifamily at this point. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't have someone there on staff and uh, you know, it, it, you, we had talked about this during the pandemic, but there was a, you had, you had to have it cause you had another way to show apartments basically then for many. And now that you it's reverted where now people have opened back up and they'll go tour. It feels like less of a hot button need, but from a long-term consumer standpoint, it's definitely going to be an expectation over the next 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just how, how quickly do you decide to get there?
1: But I think one of the arguments we heard, not arguments, but benefits that both Georgiana and um, Jennifer had expressed was that conversion rates were better on leases. So it wasn't just about, you know, the flexibility, you know, of being, able to take a tour at not just five, uh, 9 to 5 but remember at least one or if both yeah. of them were offering out of hours like or off hours but that they actually were seeing better conversions and if that's the case then and you're an operator why in the world wouldn't you
0: yeah yeah it's i think about my own experience like we've been thinking about getting a second car since it's hard now with one, mm-hmm. with a kid. And like <laughs> I knew that moment was coming. <laughs> uh, I don't want to, I'm resistant, but I we've been so resistant to even look at cars because we don't want to get hounded by the salesperson. But if I could just go to Volvo and take a test drive without talking to anybody, I may have already bought one, mm-hmm. but it's like, I don't want to talk to somebody. So I'm, I'm putting it off as long as possible. Mm-hmm. So they might think that it's not helping conversions because, oh, once he gets in the front of a sales rep, he buys one. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I would have bought it six months earlier you know, if I could have just gone totally and I'm going to have my defenses up when I go now and talk to somebody. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. I, you also then said marketers will be priority, prioritizing GMB or GBP more as it is their front door, more than their front door, than their website now.
1: Well, I feel like we can on our own validate that based on the trends we're seeing. So, um, through our, our partnerships and obviously our, our direct customer base, um, this, uh, I'll say, service slash product has has taken off um so i think that one has definitely come true
0: hi that's i put it green yeah It made yeah yep. correct
1: all, all right. right hooray where's Do the a, yeah where's the soundboard oh Here, give me the drop thank you thank yeah. you <laughs> <You're
0: welcome. laughs> missed that <laughs> totally okay so uh then i said um the ilss would be adding more ad hoc products to expand revenue again i feel like we can Say that that's yeah expensive.
1: and that one just look no further than rent right
0: yeah yep. and you uh you said one of the biggest blockers this is more some of your commentary on it would be however that they will learn how expensive it is to build out like an ad agency side of their business and so you were just sort of talking about how traditional media went through this previously and now they're going to start to feel it and i would say you know from our some of our off the record conversations with different ils people that's kind of what they're feeling right now
1: yep it's a painful lesson but um you know and most interesting will be what do they do about it you know do they just kind of grin and bear it and say this is our new new world or do they innovate and try and find other products or services that aren't kind of standard with most agencies which is where we we've, we've started ahead obviously and um it's paid big dividends no pun intended
0: this is funny cuz it, well it's it's so parallel to the big tech right now with all the layoffs that are happening so I mean, not to get too too deep, but hopefully you'll see the connection here. Um, you know, these ILSs have terrific margins on a like customer basis. Now, maybe they're burning money as they try to grow and expand, but it's still great margins if they were to halt that. Big tech has done the same thing where everyone's like, oh, we can't pay Google salaries or Facebook salaries. But when you look at the salaries, the base salary of Google and Facebook isn't necessarily that much better than at and for an engineer, but they pay stock option plans that are insane, mm-hmm. but they could only afford to do the stock option plans because their stock was rising mm-hmm. like a meteor mm-hmm. during, in, you know, during the, the stock, infla- stock market infla- tech inflation of the last couple of years. So now that their stocks have dropped anywhere from 50 to 75%, they can no longer offer the same options on people because instead of taking a 1% dilution to offer these options they're now taking 1 to 5% dilute or 3 to 5% dilution on a company value mm-hmm. every year to offer those options. So if you think about like if you always if you had 55% dilution for 10 more years that's 50% dilution. Yeah. So you're not willing to do that and that's why you're seeing these mass layoffs mm-hmm. because they're like, "Oh, shoot, we're not as attractive as we were." So my point with this is they were using op- options to make them look in a way more profitable than they were because they could pay people these crazy salaries. Now they can't. Mm-hmm. So similar, I'll say with the ILS is here where you think like, yeah, it's a great. Yeah, parallel. Yeah. So it's just this
1: rude awakening for, for Silicon Valley. Yeah. It couldn't last forever. And now there's a reckoning, like either you're going to have to pay up like legit cash or um, lay off, which they've clearly chosen that at least to start.
0: And in a way they're doing, both, meaning they're laying off and they're cutting salaries in half. Mm-hmm. So these people that were making three fifty are now making one fifty, mm-hmm. and they don't get the options. And so some of those people will leave. But it's also when everyone's laying off a thousand people, where are you going to go? Right. Like I, there was a anecdotal, but there's a Twitter engineer that just had to do twenty one interviews to get another job. Jeez. It's like so.
1: Not many parachutes out there for for that kind of job.
0: Right. Right. So it just gets hard, and I see the same thing in a way, again, with ILS, where, as you saw with traditional media, as your point last year. So it's a great business, but it's not going to last forever. It's the innovator's dilemma. So you got to find the next thing, and the next thing may not be quite as profitable you know, or, or, or lucrative as, as what your standard product was before.
1: Totally. And the problem's only going to get bigger. Um, more automation that, that comes. You don't know who it's going to be, but somebody's going to drop their pants, and there's no going back when that happens. So um, what might have been a 30 or 40% margin on platform X is going to go to 15 to 20 and then et cetera. And then it's like, is there a whole new cost model? And I believe there will be, you know, five, 10 years from now, which is something mm-hmm. that I think will be fun for us to talk about and, you know, how digital is thinking about that.
0: Well, in addition, um, it's what Jim Collins says in his books, right? But he's like, you want to, you want to establish your war chest so that when times are tough, you can accelerate and expand mm-hmm. when everyone else is cutting back. So any of those companies in ILS that has built a war chest and is able to expand now, it won't, a lot of times you may not think it makes sense, but that's how you become the market leader when mm-hmm. everyone else is pulling back because they were redlining the whole time. Mm-hmm. So it's a more disciplined approach, but it's there for the taking for whoever wants it. You're just making the investment for, you know, the next five or 10 years. Um, I then said we should see more IPOs in 22 because the market seems like it was peaking, which did turn out to be true. Meaning that the market was peaking. However, we, in prop tech, we didn't really see the, uh, you know, the IPOs. I thought we would see at least in apartment prop tech. There were some in single family prop tech, but I wasn't going to count that. So I count this as a failed, failed prediction on the actual IPO aspect.
1: Was there any boos and hisses on that soundboard, or is it just applause?
0: <laughs> <laughs> <I'll take> it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, now you did put in here you want you wanted to predict that ILSs would lose half of their advertisers, but you didn't actually go and make that prediction. Use it. I want to.
1: <laughs> and and let me just qualify that one bit more here. I would say I was tempted. Want makes it sound like I was you know something sinister or like you know w- wishing ill will on the ILSs. Yeah. Um, I was, but I knew I would never be able to validate that.
0: Yeah. You, you were saying that because changes were coming to Facebook marketplace and a lot of highlights were getting their leads from there. So when that fell off and the leads fell off, ROI would decrease. And therefore, why do I keep advertising?
1: Yep. hundred percent.
0: But obviously there's been quite a habit that people have. I just buy it anyway. So, you know,
1: yeah. And just accept you know, a, a lower, I guess, smaller, uh, return on ad spend.
0: Um, and then I had said in 21, uh, that I, that we missed something that I wanted to call out, but we had not expected Entrada to go and raise the money that they did. Um, So that was in 21. And then we were thinking that maybe what would happen with them raising over 500 million in 22. And um, you know, it's interesting because I haven't seen, I really didn't see much noise from them in 22 besides the fact that they did buy their um, engineering team in India. So their Indian engineering team that we had talked to them about before was an outsourced operation now they bought it and brought it in house but oh, besides the merging of that I didn't see them really you know like use it for acquisitions like we thought maybe they would or anything mm-hmm. else
1: Yeah and I'd be curious to know what the cost was do you know? On- it wasn't publicized Yeah But that is one of the bigger surprises, maybe even disappointments, is that we didn't see action from them in 2022. But from what I've heard, uh, they did kick the tires with a few different companies. And so we'll see if uh, something, you know, I guess, uh, turns out here in 23.
0: Makes sense. I mean, when you don't have it established, your M&A team, like RealPage, it takes, you got to spin it up and it takes longer. Mm -hmm. So you know, maybe we just didn't factor for that. They raised a bunch of money, but if they want to bring it in house and not hire an M&A firm, it's just going to take time to build the team and set the vision.
1: Well, and deals are drying up and that did start to happen in the back half of 22. So that might've uh, put the kibosh on, you know, some ideas that they did have. Mm. Um, and I think 23 is going to be more of the same, obviously, till uh, till we see things uh, settle. Uh, I, I think the deal flow is going to be far less in 23.
0: Unless it's rescue missions.
1: There'll be some of those. I'm not saying no deals because <laughs> uh, obviously, yeah, the rich can get richer in moments like this, so to speak, even with buying companies. So um, they'll definitely be M&A, but generally speaking, I think the deal flow is going to be um, a lot slower in 23.
0: Okay. So um, let's. that's our 22 predictions. Let's move into 23. I thought you were going to say that you were still thinking that they may make some noise. I was going to ask you, but it sounds like you're saying you wouldn't put that up as a prediction that they'll make an acquisition
1: entrada? Yeah. No, I I actually do. Oh, okay. <laughs> um I think they will be one of the few and and there'll be a, you know some other maybe Redfin. I have that uh here as well is that they're they're not done after, you know, rent I guess was in 21 um, when they acquired them. But, you know, I couldn't tell you and and it probably is specific even within industry whether deal flow increases or decreases, you know, and uh in climates like this. I think typically it decreases but you know, if there's a lot of rescue missions to be had with good solid companies that just didn't have enough time, enough runway to really, you know, get there, then, you know, they could get picked off left and right, you know, right. Or picked up. Um, Or it's the opposite where it's like, you know, they didn't have enough runway. Therefore they, they couldn't get investors excited enough and, and no, no acquisition happened. So it'd be really interesting, you know, and it's not as simple as just categorizing between those two, but, that is what often does drive deals, right? Is some companies like treading water or maybe that's not the right way of putting it, but fledgling. And so somebody else is like, I'll I'll take the you know, the bargain. Yeah. And then, you know, when people are all crushing it and making money hand over fist, obviously that's when a lot of deals get done too. So
0: without name, it doesn't sound like you have a target in mind, but what category might you expect it to come from within multi- with Redfin? And, oh yeah, them and Entrada.
1: Oh, yeah, with Entrada I, I think it' will be something similar to what we saw with, um, knock and real page mm. is they will be looking for, for a company like that. Um, you know, could it be a funnel? Um, I don't know, uh, but somebody that has built some really strong, interesting tech that's competitive, but, um, maybe, you know, are tired of raising or, um, they just, you know, on an, on the engineers themselves, you know, have a lot, um, uh, a lot to bring to the table because that's what I think we read, you know, about the knock deal is that they really wanted um, not just the technology, but they wanted that human capital, like the engineers that had produced it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that might be something that that happens. Same thing could happen, but I don't know if there's an up and comer um, per se because uh, they all feel like up and comers with AI leasing. Um, but where uh, Entrada says, okay, we're going to take me to lease, or you know, we're going to go after you Know a perk or a better bot or somebody like that, but it just seems like that can't last much longer. Where you know, there's these four or five, and maybe a couple more get added into the mix before somebody says, I'm just gonna go ahead and scoop one of these up and accelerate, you know, one of the big uh property ma- or prop tech companies.
0: It's really fun. I feel like we could do an episode on if and trot a bot funnel, like what that would mean for them. And I wonder if it would backfire because funnel is trying to sit as a layer on top of everything. But obviously Trata's, and Trata's been in, embroiled in lawsuits before. And so does that, would it just not, uh, would they start getting closed off again and not being able to like leverage what funnels trying to do on the, from the outside?
1: Potentially. And then with Redfin, I think that their, the acquisition with Rent is, I don't want to say just the beginning because that makes it sound like they're going to do 10 more of those, but that um, they would like to make a couple more similar moves. Um, which you know would suggest it's going to be you know another ILS I don't think we, we all know it's not going to be CoStar, but you can think about some of those either column secondary tertiary uh, companies that they might be interested in mm-hmm. to see if they can't just keep building you know share like audience that model still exists obviously um, and some seem more committed to it than others as far as how concerned they are with cash Cash flow, a picture, you know, the financial health versus you have a customer base of 10,000. That's what I want. And I'll figure it out.
0: Well, uh, let me use that as a way to move into uh, a co star acquisition prediction. But <clears throat> um, Redfin earlier had taken a big stock hit. We saw last year, I remember. I don't remember what it's at now, but Zillow was still way valued, uh, more valued than Redfin at the time on the same metric. So it was like underperforming basically Redfin and Zillow was overperforming. But it, it's interesting to me about this crossover where you're seeing these single family targets like Zillow and Redfin wanted to move in to multifamily and then multifamily is all trying to get out. So Mm -hmm. it's like, Mm -hmm. is is this really the right strategy? Because it doesn't seem to be working well for either of them yet. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you got to be willing to like lose for, you know, years. Uh, But CoStar, I looked it up and they have 5 billion of cash on hand. And so you and I have talked about this, but what do you do when you start having that kind of cash on it? Do you hold it? That maybe in tough times that this is good. This is that war chest. Mm -hmm. But now that they have this war chest, do you just sit on it when prices are low? Like, or do you go and start spending it? And CoStar we've seen has been willing to spend even in the high market. So to me, I think they're just going to keep on spending. Um, So I think they're going to continue to move into single family and leave, you know, not lose interest, but just let multifamily be as it is. I don't think they're trying to, I think they view it, that multifamily is basically, all right, we've almost maximized our pie here. Now it's going to be easier to move into single family than to continue to push multifamily. And there's some like risk um, reasons why you might want to diversify there too. So uh, I thought this was interesting. In Q3 of 22, they were, even in multifamily without innovation, they were already up 12% year over year in Q3. Jeez. On the massive number that they are right. that's
1: significant double digit growth is at that yeah.
0: Yeah. It's and crazy. so I did find a rumor that CoStar is in talks to purchase Move. um Move Inc which is actually realtor.com. So if they buy realtor.com it's kind of like the reverse of Redfin. And the rumored price is that it's you know looking around like 3 billion dollars. Um I think this is super interesting because who else then would might be like hey hold on we don't want this to happen. And it's like, um, Zillow is one of those that come to mind to me, right? Like, And Zillow had looked at realtor.com back in the day, but didn't move on it because it was too much dilution. And when I pulled the market caps, coast when I pulled this a few weeks ago, before we got to record this, the market cap of CoStar was at 31 billion and the market cap of Zillow was 10 billion. So if you look at it, if Zillow tried to compete, if that number is correct, they're giving up 30% of the company or so, right? <laughs> Versus yeah. CoStar is giving up 10% of the company to get a major competitor to Zillow, right? Mm-hmm. So it does make them a force similar to, I guess how Redfin thought about rent. Right. But mm-hmm. in industry, we knew that rent has not been as big of a leader as, um, you know, uh, respectively, I guess realtor.com to me is, it's almost like a better get is where I'm going for CoStar to get realtor than Redfin to get rent. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now what and I also, does
1: that also speak to the interest of CoStar in single family with realtor?
0: um, yeah, I think that I think because they're looking at realtor, it confirms my first assumption, which is that Re- CoStar is going more. Is this more their big family. bet? Yeah. yeah, is this
1: their big bet?
0: Yep. Yeah. And even the, giving up ten percent of your company is not small. If that's a delusion yeah. you take to buy not it, when
1: you're that size, yeah. yeah.
0: But this is what I also thought was interesting. This is more of an aside. A CoStar's revenue in Q3 was five hundred and fifty-seven million. Zillow's revenue in Q3 was four hundred eighty-three million. So they're not that far different in revenue, but hmm. the multiples are different. It's like is worth three times Zillow. Interesting. Yeah. So anyways, um, so obviously they're just getting viewed differently mm-hmm. the way that they're getting valued by the market. Um, I did think this was interesting too, but Realtor.com was bought in 2014 for almost a billion. It was $950 million, um, And they are already generating $700 million a year in, in revenue. So that's not insignificant back to like, um, CoStar. It's like CoStar can buy it for a 10th of their market cap and yet add, you know, uh, whatever, like 30% to their revenue. Pretty insane. Yeah. So great, great trade off for them if they go for it. I did find this also interesting when I was looking up Zillow. I was like, well, what's Zillow trying to do? And they're on a mission to hit 5 billion in annual revenue with a 45% EBITDA by 2025. Holy cow. Yeah. So they're, there were so they're halfway to their revenue number on a run rate perspective. I don't know where they're at from EBITDA, but obviously Zillow has to do something if within two years they're going to double revenue and then hit forty-five percent EBITDA.
1: Yeah, pretty remarkable. They'll be able to avoid afford, uh, you know, the sprinkles on the donuts now. <laughs>
0: yeah. So either way, uh, my takeaway was Zillow is maybe being unfairly hit now, maybe because of their failed, you know, buying uh, home buying thing, and with CoStar's amount of cash, I just see them going more in the single family. But for our our multifamily peeps, I think what they've shown, and this is actually in their public documents, like, hey, we can raise rates and we don't lose that many customers and yet we become way more profitable. Mm -hmm. And so I think you're just going to, they have no incentive to continue to innovate. They've like maximized their pie. They can keep raising rates on you and uh, then continue to work on diversifying into other categories.
1: It's a hell of a model.
0: All right, what's yours? Do you have one though?
1: Oh, Uh, yeah,
0: pull that up.
1: (laughs) Well, I already hit the redfin one, right? So we're covered off there. So this is another one that I may struggle to to validate. Um, but this is my strategy with these predictions. So maybe right, but never proven wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But I just have AI leasing agents will surpass humans in 2023. So this may already be the case, but um, I'd love to know what that ratio is.
0: You mean like the number or the effect? The number. The number so more there will be more ai leasing agents than humans
1: right than human leasing agents
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like i said i might be right but you're gonna have a hard time proving me wrong
0: yeah i think
1: i'll I, follow up on this one but i mean it it not to make it dystopian but i mean this this is one of the things that comes up like in so many different industries not just ours and specifically you know with leasing agents but you know are are the bots and the machines going to be replacing you know the people and this is one of the bigger examples. And right now, all what we keep hearing is that they're. Uh, so maybe I, I'm already going to have to qualify this, but that you know they're doing 45, 60 percent of the work of a leasing agent, mm. but they aren't actually replacing those jobs yet in totality. Yeah. But we have heard about plenty of uh, what do you call it? Humanless, like I forget. Do we have a term for that yet? Like the on-site.
0: Oh, there was. I can't remember it.
1: Yeah, but anyways, maybe. Maybe that's what I need to be pointing to, but I I still wanna know what that ratio is as far as AI leasing agents compared to human leasing I, agents.
0: I think you would be correct if you said the number of leads handled by AI leasing agents is more than human leasing agents. Because to your point, a lot of these AI leasing agents are getting inserted in the top of the funnel to weed out the the trash. Mm-hmm. And then it's still getting passed to a human because they got to sign the paperwork and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So yes, some of that can happen without a human, but by by most properties are using a human to do that, let's call it the last mile, kind of like Amazon's last Mm -hmm. mile delivery. Mm -hmm. And so, and to your point, like they're not, the leasing agents, like ownership or responsibility is like, get your UPS packages done, you know, fix your, call the maintenance guy, whatever. So it's all this other stuff, but their title is still leasing agent. Mm -hmm. So we're not seeing, we're not going to see that position disappear um, fast enough, I guess, for your prediction to come true this year. If it was on a human, like one-to-one, because you're also hiring two leasing agents for property versus one virtual
1: mm-hmm. agent
0: per property, right? But definitely I would, I think you're totally right on the number of leads handled.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to change my prediction then. Okay,
0: good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, my uh, kind of nested prediction right underneath that, and you'll love this because you're the one that's been talking my ear off about it for a couple of years now, but GPT-3, Technology will power fifty percent of multifamily of the multifamily industries AI leasing, you know, agents or bots by twenty thirty. Oh wow! Not this year. So, but I'm putting I'm putting it out there now. Yeah. Um, that's how quick I could see this moving. And if they decided to go ahead and un- unleash this, if you will, um, which they may not. When I say they, you know, Microsoft, but that you know, if this starts to pick pick up some traction with some larger portfolios uh it could spread like wildfire and then where does that leave you know me lease and and the better bots and the perks because i've told you like what if amazon decided that they wanted to get in a multifamily yeah um you know it, it would it would obviously amazon getting into any industry is going to be a massive disruption but they're set up with all they've done with alexa to completely blow by like i think as you said, what's the real AI like? Yeah. Um, it isn't really formulated, I don't think, or established. And so why wouldn't one of these giants come into the industry and just take it over?
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. I think you're right in, I would say, maybe not GPT-3 itself, but one of those types. So one of the major player tech players provide the infrastructure for people to build their own build on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It'll be the foundation.
0: Yeah. Now, would that maybe be would that be will that be better than a a perk or better bot or meet a lease that's purpose built? I think purpose built will always be better unless there's something that transformative to use this like super open thing like you're talking about. But because it's going to be so inexpensive to build your own using one of those toolings, I could see it it's basically like it's a commodity. Mm -hmm. now right Mm -hmm. if if the right controls can get in place because we've talked about that like those things don't abide by fair housing and all these other things that are big concerns for the industry but by 2030 you would think those controls get figured out
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right it's cool your turn
0: um i we you actually hit one of mine in trada i did think was finally going to do something so i'm agreeing with you on that and then um I kind of hit this, but I'll call it out specifically that the ILSs are going to gonna continue to try to eke out revenue from customers. And customers, are they're just like, it's blood from the stone. I think because of the, the market the way it is and the uncertainty the way it is, people are still going to buy it from them. It's just the habit for now. Uh, so then I'll move on to one we haven't talked about, but antitrust is picking up. Um, under Lena Khan. So this is going to co- cause companies to actually pull back or move slower on some of their acquisitions. So for example, RealPage has already had two of its acquisitions questioned. And so that to me even though they've got the bankroll, you know, and now they have that more the super recent lawsuit about price setting with uh, revenue management, they they've got to be a little gun shy, right? Like if you're get, if you have this one big lawsuit here, do you want to submit another application to buy something else? I don't I think you want to try to finish one up before you start another. Otherwise, doesn't I don't know enough about this. I'd have to ask Jim, our attorney, but that just seems like it would add fuel to the fire. Like, oh, now you're gonna go buy this. Um so yeah, I just feel like real page is gonna be forced to to temper. And then to me, this means that any of the big players will probably have to pick their battles. Like they can't just assume anything's going to get through. So they're going to have to say like, all right, we get to make one big bet a year. And then maybe we could get these small ones through, no problem. But even Facebook got questioned on a gaming company for VR that they bought. And to me, that's so different than what they're doing that if they're getting questioned on buying a gaming company, it just shows how much that administration is focused on just not letting stuff just slide under the uh, radar.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, I couldn't agree more as far as the way you're framing the cli- climate right now um, related to antitrust. But another school of thought would be, you know, instead of one big bet a year, we actually have to make more big bets um, mm. because we know that many of these are not going to make it through. Mm. Um, it's not as easy. I'm not saying that, you know, you, you can make 10 big bets in a year, but it's just one yeah. One other way of thinking about it. Whereas, like, if you make that big bet, and then it gets held up or or not approved, then where are you? Yeah. So, well, I found I, the CEOs of those companies. I'm like, we need to make, yeah, you know, potentially more big bets.
0: I think it's almost also what obviously they're getting advice on is, are they looked at in isolation, or is there any human involvement where they see that RealPage submits ten big bets, and all of a sudden they're like, what the hell is happening over here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, and now it, it causes attention that they didn't want so i don't know it's definitely a lot of game theory on that one
1: yeah i'd love to have somebody that i guess could speak to it for us like um you got anybody within the doj or
0: no well <laughs> funny enough uh sort of for a different project Insider. <laughs> but um yeah i though though would love so erica that's a to do for you yeah. let's get somebody get right on on to it. talk about like uh how acquisitions are impacted by this um all right well i guess i should let you go
1: yeah, uh, this one, I, I, I'm i still thinking about how, how this will be validated, but, and maybe it's already 25%, so I guess I would want to know the baseline on this, but I said 25% of the NMHC top 50 will be in single family by the end of this year. Wow! So I think I can name four or five, uh, I won't say them out loud, um, but that. Are there right now, so that gets me close to ten yeah. percent. That number would need to double or a little bit more than that. Um, but I maybe maybe it's because we know folks that aren't in that top fifty that are already in single family yeah. and everything we've heard. I feel like in our 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 network is saying that this is only going to pick up. And last year uh, on the summit, you know, we had uh, Mark Taylor. Um, I think it was uh, Bridge was the uh, single family. Um, as well as, you know, real foundations moderated. And we had one more. Oh, it was, it was Joy. It was, it was from RKW. Anyways, um, all of them had said that that part of their business was not about to slow down. Uh, but there may be some challenges just as far as what the inventory is out there. And that, that w- that's what could curtail the, the amount of multifamily getting into it, uh, which was interesting. I think that was the perspective from uh, uh, President Mark Taylor.
0: Well, it makes a lot of sense to me. So I would join you in this one. Um, cause I think it's hell. It may already be 20% because of the, because right. like, yeah. of what we don't know yep. to your point. But I had, uh, been hearing on different, um, real estate, uh, personalities that I follow that a lot of these p- people that were buying up swaths, of single family, um, were trying to do it themselves and realizing how hard it is. And now they're looking like someone bail me out here because mm-hmm. this is harder than I thought. And the overall sentiment is that, um, Real, you know, they thought that basically, it's kind of like Zillow with iBuying, but it's like Zillow's like, ah, an algorithm can do this better than, than a local human can. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what these folks are coming to is like, shoot, we had an algorithm that bought these homes, but now, uh, we didn't realize like how much like upside down we're going to, be because we don't know the market and we were wrong about it. And also just the infrastructure managing, blah, blah, blah. So now they're scrambling to find people to take it over and they'll just own the asset, but now they're going to, you know, basically cut their profits because they, it's going to cost more than they thought it was going to cost to
1: manage it. Yeah.
0: So makes a lot of sense. I, that's a good one. Cool. Well, I have one here that again, would be hard for us to prove, but um, I'm just saying this is going to be the year of startup, new startup foundings for multifamily. So what I'm saying is new startups will be founded and worked on, but you're not going to hear about them yet. So if you think about all these layoffs that are happening, um, all these people like from Twitter, Does that Facebook, include Adam Google, Newman or? Uh well he he had a big announcement about his
1: uh about his Oh did he? Oh see.
0: god. He did like a there was a private like interview he did for Andreessen Horowitz like back in the fall that they just released publicly mm. about what he's doing with his startup. And it's like it doesn't make any sense. It's basically I'm buying apartment buildings and I'm gonna fractional uh, the people that live there are gonna fractionally own it. Mm. As like, okay, whatever. It, yeah, I just good luck. Um so that's a whole nother episode. But um Anyway, so people are going to start new companies, but we won't hear about them. Some of this will be from people coming from the outside in, like what the Meet founder did. But some of this will be from folks in this industry that are like, fine, I'm, I'm ready to like do my own thing. I see an opportunity. And a couple of those opportunities that are here is one, rev management. Makes sense to me with a real page lawsuit. If you had a product ready to go, you could jump in there and be like, hey, use me, I'm safe. Mm-hmm. You know, we've covered off here. Don't you want to stay out of this lawsuit? Get your name away from it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we know the, the, I forgot his name all of a sudden, but the guy over at Beacon that founded it, it's like, it's, he should be going hard right now, like on, on his product. But I think there are going to be other, there's opportunity for others to come in and do that too. Um, then as you mentioned, CRM with Knock being snapped up and with Funnel really focusing on enterprise only sales and not, you can't buy it unless you're doing the whole portfolio. There's room to me for another CRM to start. And obviously we know We've had a couple of them on this podcast, but I think there's still opportunity there to come in and do it uh, to, to be another one. And then um, and, and who, then
1: I, who would you see them serving? Um, is it Hemline that yeah. we met years and years ago? And I forget, is it 10 properties or less or yeah. five or less or something? I'm just uh, wondering what your thoughts are. You know, because I agree with you. Like, there is opportunity if Knock's going to live, and they're not alone, but primarily on the enterprise. Um, but yeah, what would that uh, target market look like?
0: Yeah, well, I think uh, I think it's the the same thing as Knock. Basically, you can go in and take Knock's, you know, Knock's target market. I mean, we obviously we know Cena over at Aptly, and I think that they're a great option. But you know, Cena's one company, right? And he'll sell individually to each property, but Funnel won't. And then who else do you have if you kind of want an independent thing that will work with any software? Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of options. And so, yeah, it's this middleware that that people want to standardize and they don't want to have to have a separate LMS training for using Entrada CRM versus RealPage CRM versus Yardy CRM, you know, whatever on the on their properties. They don't want one training and they want best in class. And so that's where maybe previously you would have looked at Knock, and now you might not. So now you got aptly or you're like, well, if I... Or I could do the whole portfolio, but then it's funnel and funnel is costly for Mm -hmm. that. So it's a big buying decision. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's sort of this war of, we've seen this with Fiona, but Fiona, we've allowed people to buy one at a time. And on one hand, you would think the the idea is kind of like the freemium, like, okay, you could buy it. It's very inexpensive and it will grow mass. But on the other hand, you have like, if you force an enterprise sale, it does change behavior of that enterprise and you can get mass fast that way so it's just however you want to attack the market so i'm not saying either is right i'm just saying that there is opportunity there for a crm
1: yeah cool uh
0: and then i said so, uh, as far as another one is i sort of say your thing like chat gpt or gpt3 we're going to see an, somebody bring an apartment bot using that technology because the the cost to do so is so small of a lift right now um, but you could probably gain a lot of market share however I would be scared as hell to use it. <laughs> so the risk of that kind, I hope they have a good business insurance. I guess whoever does that.
1: What was the last example? There's so many. They're kind of entertaining. I feel like you could make a, a, a small book out of all, all the, the weird mistakes. Was it Tom Hanks? Um, uh,
0: that these bots make?
1: Yeah, that they make. Like the, I think that he was, connected to the Kennedy assassination or something.
0: Well, I'll tell I you what. It was just so, so bizarre. If we had talked to think about how Google had maybe we didn't talk about it on the podcast but so after the Microsoft deal happened, Google pulled an all-hands meeting or whatever and uh, basically red alert and they brought in the uh, Sergey and uh, Larry and the founders that don't right. work there anymore and were like, "Hey, what are we going to do about this? This is an essential threat. And they actually now got access to the Google code for the first time in like a decade <laughs> because they're so concerned. Google built a commercial quickly with their chat GPT competitor and the commercial was wrong. So their bot, someone asked it like, tell me about the, the James Webb telescope. And it said, the James Webb telescope is the first telescope to, to see another planet outside our galaxy. And that was a Clear incorrect fact, and they were publicizing it, and their stock dropped over 10%. Oh, so they lost like 150 billion dollars in market cap because of this one rushed commercial that went out. It was like, I mean, how big of a blunder, but it also shows you how freaked out they are. It's the Jim Collins thing where it's like, don't pay attention to your competitor, pay attention to your own stuff. Mm -hmm. They clearly looked at their competitor, or what could be, and I'm not saying they shouldn't, they shouldn't, not saying they shouldn't look at it at all but now they were like we got to keep our ego in check and let the market feel and instead the market wouldn't have dropped 150 billion in value because they didn't do a chat gpt competitor last week but because they put one out that was terrible it took the hit so it's worse to move fast in this case
1: yeah and it reminds me of the whole speed of trust book that yeah we all read last year but just debits and withdrawals it's no different when it comes to stock it's like they could get 10 right and release that and They wouldn't probably see their market cap change almost at at all (laughs) if they got it right the first time, but now they took out this huge withdrawal They have a bunch of egg on their face. You know, it's like how many examples of them getting it right is it going to take to close the 150 they lost?
0: I already see the marketing campaign. So I want to combine the Pepsi challenge with the, um, uh, the Apple, um, commercials back in the day with Justin Long where it's like he's it's like justin oh, long yeah, is yeah. cool for apple and then there's yep. the dweeby yep. pc guy yep. so just imagine like you have whatever a justin long character or whatever and it and it types on the screen like he asks it a question and both bots pop up on the screen mm-hmm. with their answer mm-hmm. and you have google's bot microsoft's bot and it's like <laughs> wrong right wrong right yep. like dude yep. you would crush it
1: yep that's i love it
0: yeah uh, all right um
1: that now would I, be a modern version of the Pepsi challenge. You know? I'm saying, I want yeah. to take that. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, that'd be great.
0: Now I want to deal with something like that for us. I just don't know what it would look like. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess you're up now.
1: Yeah, my last prediction is my boldest. So are you on pins and needles here? I'm ready. Attribution, or wait, multi-channel attribution will not be solved. In 2023, <laughs> I couldn't help myself.
0: Uh, you don't say <laughs> going out on a limb with this one.
1: I know everybody out there hopes that I'm wrong, but uh, yeah, that's Dude, that's my safest prediction.
0: Well, it's only going to get worse. I know. That's what transition. <laughs> GA.
1: Yep. G4. Oh my God.
0: Well, I thought it might be fun to end this with, um, and we got to wrap up here in just a second, but do you have any? bold, digital predictions that you're willing to share?
1: Not that I'm willing to share. Okay. (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs)
0: Okay. I have one. Um, Many know this, but we're really proud of the Fiona product, but it hasn't found its footing the way we've wanted it to. And a lot of that I'll put on myself here, but we, I personally haven't put a lot of focus on Fiona in the last three years while we were building the company and getting the company into... The great places in today. But now we're re, we've are we re-orged a lot of the company. And my role is I'm going to put a lot more focus on product this year. Now I'm having to pick my spots. So like websites is one of those spots I'm putting a lot of attention to. And Fiona, the traditional Fiona product is something I'm spending a lot of time on too. So I think by Q4, it'll be... I'll say it's going to start to find its footing about what it's going to look like for the next three years. doesn't mean it's changing for the clients that have it today. I just think it'll, I think we've had a lot of the messaging has been incorrect or positioning has been wrong. Uh, Just the way we're packaging it up. um, There's, it's got a ton of great value there. We just haven't, we've just let it burn for a while. So I'm, I'm saying in Q4, it'll find its footing. I hope you're right. It'll be right. All right. Anything else?
1: No, I think it's solid. It's going to be, you know, we're already in mid-February, but still lots of time left in the air for some of the stuff to play out. So it's going to be fun.
0: Well, if you made it through this episode with my weak ass voice uh, and you are passionate about any of the things that we predicted and you want to come on and talk about it, then just email hello at digital.com and we'll, we'll get a time for you to be on the podcast. And you can either debate us or, you know, like I said, just spew passionately about your uh, your opinion that you agree with. But for now, we're out of here. Thanks, Reed. Yep.